Our first reading this morning is from the book of Mark, chapter 15, verses 22 through 39. And they brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his garments among them, casting lots for them, to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two robbers, one on his right and one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, Aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another, saying, He saved others, he cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, why lima sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he is calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a reed, and gave it to him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Well, if you would turn one more time in your Bibles to Lamentations. I don't know if you picked up on the fact that that opening prayer actually has the verse, some of the verses that we will be looking at uh, this morning. You'll recognize them when I read, t- read them to you in a moment. Uh, Lamentations 3, I want to read 1 through 26. I am the man who has seen affliction because of the rod of his wrath. He has driven me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely against me he has turned his hand repeatedly all the day. He has caused my flesh and my skin to waste away. He has broken my bones. He has besieged and encompassed me with bitterness and hardship. In dark places he has made me dwell like those who have long been dead. He has walled me in so that I cannot go out. He has made my chain heavy. Even when I cry out and call for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He is to me like a bear lying in wait. He is to me like a lion in secret places. He has turned aside my ways and torn me to pieces. He has made me desolate. He bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He made the arrows of his quiver to enter into my inward parts. I have become a laughing stock to all my people, their mocking song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink with wormwood. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has made me cower in the dust. My soul has been rejected from peace. I have forgotten happiness. So I say my strength has perished. And so has my hope from the Lord. Remember my affliction and my wandering, 
the wormwood in the bitterness. Surely my soul remembers and is bowed down within me. This I recall to my mind. Therefore I have hope. The Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I have hope in the Lord. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the person who seeks him. It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this is a sermon before the next week's sermon, and I promise you next week's sermon is nothing like this. This is next week's sermon. (laughs) This is just a little precursor, a little commercial. Next week's sermon I wrote when I was on the church planners training conference, and uh, Lori was sitting beside me on the bed while I wrote it. This is not that sermon, but it is a sermon about hope. And many of you probably have seen the movie Castaway. Stars Tom Hanks. He's a FedEx executive named Chuck Noland. Or no, is it Noland or Noland? Two L's. Anyway, Chuck is on a plane full of packages bound for Malaysia. And while he's on this trip, you all know what happens if you've seen it. You know, there's a terrible thunderstorm and the plane is forced down into the ocean. And Chuck finds out he's the only one who lives through this catastrophe. So he washes up on a deserted island, and he is there by himself. And after all of these years, you know, after all those years, he constructs a a craft, and he figures out how to get on the wave. It takes him out to sea, and he's finally rescued. Well, the question that he's being asked after he is rescued is this, what kept you going? In what did you put your trust? And so he says, well, I had a pocket watch. And inside this pocket watch, there was a picture of my fiance. And every night I would go to bed and I would look at my fiance's picture inside the pocket watch. And then he said this, Wilson kept me going. Well, some of you guys know who Wilson is. You don't need any explanation. But Wilson is a Wilson volleyball that washes up on the shore. And Wilson is, uh, he, he, he painted a face on this volleyball in his own blood, and he used to carry on conversations with Wilson all during this time he was on this island. And, of course, later on, you know, he loses Wilson, and these are all spoiler alerts if you've never seen it. Um, You know, he loses Wilson, and he weeps over Wilson, this volleyball. The third thing he says that kept him going was a FedEx package with a pair of wings on it that never was opened it had, was, you know, undelivered on the, on the plane. And he wrote the person who received this package later. He says, this package gave me hope, and this package kept me alive. I just, you know, sometimes I want to think, really? Really, this package kept you alive? What is your hope? What did you put your hope in, Chuck? Well, I put it in a pocket watch with a picture on, in it. I put my hope in a volleyball with a face painted on it. And I put my hope in a a package that never had been delivered with some wings on it. Really. And as we turn to our text this morning, the prophet Jeremiah, he's passing through his own plane crash. He's devastated and he's down and he's discouraged. And then in verse 21, did you see what he says there? He says, this I recall to my mind, therefore I have hope. What does this man put his hope in? Does Jeremiah the prophet put his hope in a pocket watch with a picture in it? Does he put his hope in a volleyball with a face painted on it? Does he put his hope in an unopened FedEx package with wings drawn on it? We are going through the weirdest time 
in my entire life. Strange days. Difficult days. In what or in whom do you put your trust? What's the right question? <laughs> in whom do we put our trust? Let's see what the prophet says. Let's see how he answers it. The book of Lamentations is written by Jeremiah. And Jeremiah, this is, this is right after 586. You can call, you know who Nebuchadnezzar is? He's a superman. He comes into power in Babylon. He's a superman. And he begins to overwhelm everything in his path. And in 605, he takes captives. And then in 597, he takes more. In 586, he comes against Jerusalem. He levels the walls of Jerusalem. He levels the temple of Solomon. And all the people are taken into exile. And Jeremiah, he's been preaching to all the people to turn from their idolatry and turn from their false worship. And the people won't listen to him. And so now he lays all of this out in chapter 3 here in front of us. Now, there are five laments in the book of Lamentations, and they follow a certain pattern. The first lament, the second lament, the fourth lament, the fifth lament, they're all 22 verses long. Each verse, each verse is, goes along with one of the Hebrew alphabet. There's Aleph, and there's a verse. There's Bet, and there's a verse. There's Gimel, and there's a verse. And then that happens in 1, 2, and 4, and 5. But in chapter 3, each letter of the Hebrew alphabet is used three times. So how many verses is that? That's not 22, that's 66 verses. So we have 66 verses in chapter 3. And at the very heart of chapter 3, we have the heart of the entire book. And this is where we see what's very important to uh, the prophet Jeremiah. In this third lament, the prophet shares his own personal response to the sufferings of his people. The nation is suffering, but the prophet is suffering as well. And this is what he says. He says, I am a man, verse 1 through 3, who has seen affliction. I'm experiencing God's wrath. I'm a man driven into darkness and out of light. He says in verse 4, my flesh and my skin waste away. Then he talks about his imprisonment. There's so many more things I could add to this, but it would take too long. But think about it. He's in prison. Why is he in prison? Why is he in, he's in, a, in a cistern? Y'all know what a cistern is? It's a, it's a hole in the ground. They would, they would dig these big, deep holes in the ground. They would cover them, and the cisterns would collect water for later use. And they're usually protected. He's been thrown into a cistern. Why is he in the cistern? Well, he's been preaching and telling them to stop listening to the, the prophets who do not speak from the council chamber of the Lord. He's been telling them not to listen to them, and they just threw him in a cistern. Now, a cistern's dank and dark and dirty and smelly, and all he's walled in with these, these, you know, these walls of you know, rock, and he's in there, and he's, it gets worse than that. They aren't just laughing at him. They're not just singing songs about him. They're throwing stones at him while he's down in the cistern. He would like to pray to God for the people, according to verse 8, but God wouldn't let him pray for the people. He says, I've been telling you, there is no peace, as these prophets have been telling you. And so they throw him down there, and he's experiencing this horrible time. He says, my soul, verse 17, has been rejected of peace. I have forgotten all happiness. And then he tells us in verses 10 through 11 that he's basically God's personal enemy. Did you hear those words? God is like a bear to me. 
And God is like a lion to me, ready to pounce on me and kill me. God is the one who's taken my heart and made it to be his target for all of his arrows. My wife knows when I was um, in Tyler, I used to have a, a, a bow and I used to shoot arrows for like 45 minutes. It was a recurve bow. And I used to shoot at a, at a, a nail that I hung over my target, trying to shoot this nail. Aim small, miss small. And so I'm shooting at this nail. Every now and then I hit that nail. God says, I mean, he says, God has taken my heart and made it that nail. And he's shooting me in the heart. God is the one who is giving me food that's got gravel in it. Y'all ever eat food with gravel in it? It will break your teeth. Do you ever drink wormwood and gall? Well, he says he's drinking wormwood and gall. In verse 18, he says, My strength has perished, and so has my help from the Lord. So he's ready to throw in the towel. Did you get that? So is my help from the Lord. It's, it's all perished. He's in this horrible situation. Think about his situation. He is washed up on the shore with old Chuck. This is a bad situation. And then he says the Lord's name as he's thinking about how his, he has no more hope. He says the Lord's name. And all of a sudden it seems to trigger a whole lot of things. As he says the Lord's name, we see in verse 21, he says, This I call to my mind, therefore I have hope. It's like all of a sudden all the right things become to, begin to boil up in his mind. Now we're not, verse 19 and 20, you know, Make no mistake, he's not going to forget what's going on. You know, sometimes we, my wife and I, we've talked about this before. We had this woman who came to us and she told us, when you, when you later on, when you have this idea that you want to reminisce and remember how raising your kids was just so easy, and, and you know, you just look back and you just have all those fond memories and you forget all the hard part, you need to write all this hard part down so you don't forget it. Well, this guy's not going to forget it. This guy's not going to remember this 20 years ago. Oh, it, was no, it wasn't hard. You, need, when, you know, when you tell a mother who's, in, who's 30 years old and got three kids, and she's going, was it this hard? Oh, no, I don't remember it being that hard. It was that hard. And this is hard. He's not going to forget it. But at the same time as all the suffering's going on, at the apex of his suffering, what does he do? He says the Lord's name, and he says this, I call to mind in the midst of my distress. What's he going to call to mind? Well, the first thing he says, he calls to mind the Lord's loving kindnesses. Did you get that? It's plural. It's not loving kindness. It's loving kindnesses. In fact, every time I worked on this on the computer, it came up and says, this is not spelled correctly. Well, I just, you know what? Sometimes we just make words. I'm just going to say it's okay with me. He says, listen, the Lord's loving kindnesses indeed never cease. The Lord is dealing with this nation and the Lord is dealing with me and yet there's this plural loving kindnesses. If God didn't give to me right now what I do not deserve, I would be consumed. But ex except for these loving kindnesses. It's only because the Lord is full of loving kindnesses that things are not worse. Things could be worse. Things are bad, but they could be worse. I could be getting exactly what I deserve. If you would be saved today, you must call to mind the Lord's plural loving kindnesses. Now, this, I'm not going to give you a critique of COVID, okay? 
we can talk about it later. But one thing about COVID two years ago, isn't that weird? That happened. That actually did happen. And so we talk about COVID and um, it was a pestilence. And there's one thing about COVID I want you to think about. I know it got all politicized and all of that, but there's one thing about it. It was invisible and it got everybody's attention. And if you got through all of that unscathed and untouched, some people didn't. We can talk about how many. We can talk about whether it was pestilence like the bubonic plague and all of that. But you know, there were people who did get sick. And then it did get worse. And then there were people who, like me, had it for 21 days and they got over it. And there were people who started having to go on a ventilator. It got worse. And there were some people who got better and then some people who died. And it would be wrong for us not to stop and think about that and think things could get worse. See, there's some people who, when they died after they were on a ventilator, they didn't know Jesus Christ. They didn't know faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't know God through Jesus Christ, and they everything got worse. Every one of us needs to call to mind the loving kindness of the Lord, and it means that we will not get exactly what we deserve. If you and I got what we deserved then the bear would pounce on us. The lion would destroy us. This, the, the wrath of God in that era would penetrate our hearts and we would be separated from God forever. We need to call to mind the loving kindness of God in the face of Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God this morning, you must call to mind the loving kindnesses of the Lord. It could get worse. God he understands, Jeremiah understands that God has not measured out to him what he deserved. He says in verse 28, 29, and 30, he, he speaks of how he's sitting there taking it. We're going to talk about this in a little bit. He says in verse 28, let him, talking about himself, let him sit alone and be silent since God has laid it on him. Let him, he's talking about himself, put his mouth in the dust, perhaps there is hope. Let him give his cheek to the smiter. Let him be filled with reproach. He's humbling himself and he's saying, Though you slay me, yet shall I trust in you. Do you ever do that? Sometimes, folks, things are bad. Sometimes we're hurting. Sometimes we're praying for things. Sometimes people don't know what's going on in us. We can sit here, we talk sometimes, all these guys, we talk about, well, we're, we got first world problems. But we still have problems. Don't we? We have to sometimes say, do with me as you please, but I'm not going to leave you. There's some light at the end of this tunnel. Jesus took the was the target. Jesus was the one abandoned. Jesus was the one that was in the darkness for us. We know light's at the end of the tunnel. So sometimes we just have to sort of stick our cheek out and let the smiter hit us. But there's help at the end of this one. Because I have a Jesus who took the drink, the gall for me. I have a Jesus who, who ate the food with gravel in it for me. I call this to mind, I praise the Lord, and I have hope. Second, he calls to mind the Lord's compassions. He understands that he's not getting what he deserves, and on the other hand, he understands that he's getting what he does not deserve. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. 
by definition, mercy, remember that when you grow up, you know, the first thing you learn is mercy is what? Everybody knows it. Un, what? Undeserved. Everybody understands that. Undeserved. Undeserved, right? Have you ever thought about that? That, that during these enormous painful times, all of a sudden these little things get real important to us. Just a card from somebody. Just a, a, hand, a touch of your child's hand. I was telling the Crutchfields the other day, I said, you know, I don't think David really would have gotten it, maybe. David's running, fleeing like a, like a flea from Saul. He's got 3,000 troops after him. We're going to get here pretty soon in, in uh, 1 Samuel. He's fleeing from 300 troops. He's over here on this side of the mountain. Here comes Saul wrapping around to get him. And then, y'all forgive me for this, but Saul got a text message. So I got a text message that said, you better come back and fight the Philistines and stop chasing after the flea and protect the nation of Israel instead of going after this guy you hate and you're jealous of. And as he's wrapping himself to wrap around him to kill him, God has David wrapped up in his mercy. A little thing, just a text message. Stopped it. Stopped it. Robert Browning Hamilton writes, I walked a mile with pleasure... She chattered all the way. But pleasure left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er a word said she. But oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. You see, walking with God through sorrows, we learn that he has compassions that do not fail. The prophet comes from the council chamber of God and he speaks the word of God. And shouldn't everybody go, <laughs> no, they didn't. They threw him in a pit. And what does he do? What does he do? He calls this loving kindness and these compassions to mind. This is his outlet. Jesus is on the cross. His people betray him. His own disciple betrays him. Another one denies him. It's all corrupt. And what's his outlet? He looks to the Father. We read that in Psalm 123. What do we do? We come to the throne. We look to God until you're gracious to us. Please be gracious to us. Don't ever stop. When you and I are at the peak of agony, we need to say, I'm not getting what I deserve. You know, I have Jesus. I have a Jesus. He came and he washed my feet. And then the next day, my Jesus goes to the cross and he dies on the cross. And then three days later, he rises from the dead. And then for 40 days, he walks around and he tells the guys who tell me what's in the Bible all about him. And then my Christ goes and sits at the right hand of God where he represents me with his blood. The blood guarantees before the face of God that a sacrifice occurred. Then my Savior slides off the seat onto his knees and he prays down from heaven for me all the grace and all these little mercies that I need. A letter comes, a friend in the congregation comes and just says hi. A daughter comes and says, Dad, it's 32 degrees outside. She doesn't really say this. Would you go out and dig some snails with me? <laughs> so you think, don't think anything of it until you're going through really agony and then your daughter comes up with this suit on, this dress on, and wants to go walking in the neighborhood, Right? And then all of a sudden, that is God's compassion. 
Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. Thomas Chisholm wrote that song, and he didn't write it after one experience. He wrote it after a lifetime of mercies and compassions. He wrote it having survived great trials and tribulations, never abandoned God, always proving God's faithfulness. As I call this to mind, I praise the Lord, and I have hope. Third, he calls to mind the Lord is my portion. Now, have any of you read the book, Make My Bed, or Make Your Bed? Y'all haven't read this book? You need to read the book. He's a graduate from University of Texas, and he went and he spoke at a graduation there. And, he, and, he, he, and then he had to write a book after he did this, Make Your Bed. But his name is William McRaven, and he's an admiral. He's retired Navy SEAL. And in the book, he talks about many things, but one of the weeks he talks about is Hell Week. And during Hell Week, there's this no sleep. I think they get maybe six hours of sleep. And it's constant yelling, constant drilling, constant running, constant paddling your watercraft from point A to point B and from point A back to point, you know, point B back to point A. And then finally, after all these swims and all this stuff and all this tired, they end in the mud pits. And remember, these guys are yelling at them. They're screaming at them. They're doing all kinds of crazy stuff to them. One of my friends who lived next door to me growing up told me that the more they love you, the more they scream and curse at you. And so then all of a sudden, they're in the, the mud pits, and all of them are up to here in the, in the mud. And then, then something changes. The master sergeant goes over, and he starts building a fire. Then he puts on a pot of coffee. Then he gets a bowl, big old thing of soup going. And then he begins to talk to all the men like this. He says, if just five of you quit, it's all over. If five of you quit, you can come and have coffee, and you can come and have chicken noodle soup. All it'll take is for five of you to quit. And this is the time when most of them quit. <laughs> the soldier next to him, he said, began to make his move to get out of the pit, and he put his arm on his shoulder, and he told him not to. And then from behind, there was another guy. He began to sing a tune. All of them knew. And they began to sing it with this raspy voice, and all of the guys joined in together, and they began to sing. And the master sergeant began to scream and said, Stop singing! And they kept singing louder. And the louder that the master sergeant screamed at them with a smile on his face, the louder they sang. And they made it through because one guy sang a song. The prophet's been stripped of everything, guys. All that he has, all his liberties, all his possessions, almost his life. And now he says, I call to mind the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope. It just takes calling it to mind. It just took a song, and they made it. Now, you and I, we love, we, we call ourselves Reformed Christians, and we love to talk about election. We love to talk about God uh, predestinating us from the foundation of the world, loving us before time. I love that, don't you? I love Jesus telling his disciples, I chose you, didn't, you did not choose me. In fact, the Bible says the Lord's portion is his people. But do you ever repent? after you accuse God of being cruel to you? Do you ever repent when you said God's been unfaithful to you? Because that's what he's doing. The Lord is, is full of loving kindnesses that never cease. The Lord 
is someone who has many compassions that never fail. Great is His faithfulness. There's no shadow of turning with my God. The Lord is my portion. He's all I have. When all, I'm, when all is stripped away from me, He's my portion. And therefore, I call this to mind. And I praise the Lord. And I have hope. Well, let's finish with one more point. Fourth, He calls to mind the Lord is good. Verse 24, or 25, The Lord is good to those who wait for Him, to the person who seeks Him. It is good that He waits silently for the salvation of God. Now, here's a little, this is a little caveat. You say, Pastor Mark, how do I learn how to pray? Well, what you do is you take the truths that you know and you use them as your content for your prayer. I think preachers get to cheat sometimes on this because they have to prepare sermons and they can use what they prepare as part of their prayers. <laughs> but if you take these things you learn, you use them in your prayers. And so all of his theology becomes his doxology. And he begins to praise God for his faithfulness. He begins to praise God for his compassions. He begins to praise God because he's his portion. And now he says God's good. And the Lord's good enough for you and I to wait on. Jeremiah is saying God is good enough to wait on. This God who created all things in the space of six days and all very good, he's good enough to wait on. And you know, he says all things work together for the good to those who love him. You know, I've had some time with people in the past and they misunderstand that. They think that somebody's saying all things are good. Not all things are good. We just saw that. He's saying, I'm not going to forget this. <laughs> this is bad. Not all things are good. There are bad things. Um, I, I like to talk about Joseph. Joseph was in a pit. That's not good. Joseph was falsely accused by Mrs. Potter for that. That's not good. Joseph goes into a prison. That's not good. <laughs> Joseph forgotten in prison for two years by the guy that he helped. That wasn't good. Those are not good things. But God says the bad things and the good things, He can take all the things together and make them work for the glory of God and for your good. So make sure you know that. But the Lord's good enough to wait on. And, you know, this is active waiting. This is not sitting there with my chin out. This is not me just sitting there not being passive. This is me waiting. And, you know, I, I in January, uh, January 16th, January 16, 2016, our daughter got married. But she wanted to get married in Tyler when we were in California. And um, to get ready, the kids and Lori and Justly, they had to leave five weeks before. So I was in California by myself for five weeks being a bachelor, Ben. And um, I uh, had my fork and my knife and my spoon out, and I had a plate and a bowl, and I had my potatoes, and I had my cans full of chicken and I made my meals and did my thing for about three days I thought I was in heaven you know and then about the fourth day I started realizing there ain't no red hair beside me when I wake up there's no kids pulling on me I'm not getting pulled in four or five different directions I'm going to lose my mind and I began to anticipate flying home and I look forward to flying home I knew it would end and he's saying to us this tribulation will end. There is light at the end of this tunnel, just like there was red hair at the end of that plane flight, and there were some kids at the end of that plane flight. He's saying, this is going to end. 
the trial that you're passing through will end. And God is good enough to resign yourself to. And we said this a few minutes ago. Verse 26, he says, It is good that he waits silently for the salvation of the Lord. The word silent here means resignation. So when the prophet says, I'm putting my mouth in the dust, and when I'm giving my cheek to the smiter, he's saying, you know, I'm giving myself to the will of God. I will wait on him in submission, and I know whatever my God ordains is right. Can you vindicate God this morning? Can you justify God in all that he does? You see how good he is? He's so good that he gives you what you do not deserve. He's so good that he gives you what you uh, more than or better than you deserve. He's so good that he's faithful all the time. He's your portion, and he is so good to give you hope. And I want you to think as we end that you have a prophet greater than Jeremiah. He was an innocent victim. He was arrested in prison. He was laughed at and beaten. He went to a cross and died on the cross so that you could get what you don't deserve. He got what you deserve for you. He is so good. He said, God, you're so good. And because you're so good, you must punish sin. And you deserve a good substitute. And I will be that substitute for them so that the unjust might become just by faith in what I do for them. He understood this, and so Jesus put his mouth in the dust. He understood this, so he gave his cheek to the smiter. He resigned himself to God's justice, and he did all that for your good. And we can praise God for that. These things, these things, I call to my mind. Therefore, I have hope. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you that you are a God who in him gives us plural loving kindnesses. Compassions through the Lord Jesus Christ, they fail not. Jesus is our portion and he is so good. We praise you for the good that has been done for us and to us. We ask, Lord, that you will help us to put all, all our hope in you and to know that even the trial that we might be passing through right now, that you know how long to measure it out and you know how long and when it needs to be taken away. We look to you now and we praise you for being our God. Help us to sing the hymns and hear the word, good words of benediction on the way out the door. And we'll praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.